Support for Talk the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits statewide to strengthen Maine communities through grants and scholarships on the web at maincf.org. The time is 9.59 and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities, to share what works, to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well, as a traveler, have you ever stumbled on a special place that a community has taken pains to protect? Or as a locavore, have you a favorite place in your community that deserves protection? Well, if so, Today's topic is, is uh, just that, saving special places in communities, and we have some wonderful guests in the studio who can help us with that, um, starting with uh, Jim Dow. Jim is the executive director of Blue Hill Heritage Trust. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, Ron. Glad to be here. Also, um, we have Dylan Howard. Um, Dylan is um, uh, um, a local um, uh, person who had a previous career with Image Gazer. You may recognize that um, that uh, film um, festival in in uh, Ellsworth. But now he's associated with something called the Caterpillar Hill Initiative, and we'll learn more about that. Welcome, Dylan. Thank you. And welcome back to Mary Lowry of Scudic Arts for All. And Mary has been a frequent guest um, um, on the program talking about different topics. But I think it's the first time we've talked about saving places because most of your work is with the arts. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much for having me here, Ron. And thank you, WERU, for partnering with Scudic Arts for All and the great film Raw Faith that we showed last night to a full house. Great. Well, and you showed it in in one of the buildings that you um, are protecting and, and, and preserving. But give us a little bit of background on yourself and Scudic Arts for All. Well, I always like to tell a story about the beginnings of Scudic Arts for All as stemming from the adversity of what are we going to do when the Navy base closes in Winter Harbor? How are we going to address the economic impact? And so we started an arts festival and we're looking for a home base and uh, had rented a historic landmark building that was also being, uh, it was also previously unoccupied. And uh, when it became apparent that it just needed to be saved and salvaged and renovated and restored, we took over the lease of the building as a long-term lease. And then, of course, once you have a historic performance center, you must fill it with performance. Right. And, and so since that time, and that was probably 10, 15 years ago? Yeah, about uh, 14 years yeah. ago. <laughs> so describe very briefly Scudic Arts for All. Scudic Arts for All is a nonprofit on the Scudic Peninsula that brings performance and arts education to the community while bringing artists together in a creative uh, atmosphere. Great. So we'll come back to you and, and learn some of those stories about saving places in just a minute. Uh, Dylan Howard, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in, in this work, and, and uh, later on we'll learn about Caterpillar Hill, but what's your background? Yeah, um, I started off, I, I, I was a George Stevens Academy graduate, and uh, right after that I, I 
was pretty ambitious enough to start my own production company in Ellsworth, which was Image Gazer Productions. I co-founded that with uh, Robin Farron, who's a photographer in the area. And uh, we went on, you know, for a year. And uh, out of that, I started the Image Gazer Film Festival. And I pursued a career of filmmaking uh, since eighth grade, really. Uh, I've always wanted to do this. Uh, I just graduated from college last December at the New York Film Academy. Um, but in the past, um, I ran this film festival for two years, <laughs> and um, it's led me to amazing uh, projects and places and connections that really propelled me through my career to where it is now, where I'm working on feature films in New York, uh, documentaries in Italy. Um, I'm doing a lot of film work all over the place uh, because of you know just following you know my dream here. Um, and one of my other passions uh, that I learned uh, that I had when I was younger uh, at various conferences like TED Conference and Pop Tech in Camden was uh, I was interested in social entrepreneurship um, as sort of um, a place to to be part of something bigger and and try to help um, sort of help you know help be, be part of the uh, conversation of helping this planet out <laughs> uh, as a young person and um, one of the things that fell into this current project the Caterpillar Initiative was. Uh, uh, during my times of Image Gazer, um, I was looking for basically sponsors for the festival, and one of them was uh, the gallery, Caterpillar Hill, which I found out later was also the headquarters for the initiative of Caterpillar Hill. And um, basically, I, I, I didn't get a sponsor, but I got a whole nother perspective of a project that was so much larger and so much more exciting. And I basically joined forces. And um, I'm now currently the president of Caterpillar Hill recently, um, of the of Caterpillar Hill Initiative, and... Uh, we're just kind of going from there. We're building an outdoor amphitheater structure. Yeah, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it, yeah. but that's my background. Great. So, yeah, it's so been Thanks amazing. so much. How about you, Jim? How did you get started in this work? I think I remember you working down East Main in, with the Nature Conservancy. Yeah, we had fun back then, didn't we? Uh, well, I'm a Belfast boy, I have to say. I grew up when Belfast was the royal capital of the world, and uh, it's not that anymore, probably for the good good of us all, but uh, uh, from a family who had been on this coast, uh, this long coast, since mm. the 1600s, and which definitely affected my, where I've ended up, I think. Uh, uh, 25 years ago, I began work for the Nature Conservancy doing land conservation in the state of Maine, and, and ended up in doing a lot of work in Cobbscope, where mm. Ron and I worked together. Mm. and. Uh, and for the last uh, 12 years, I've been the executive director of the Blue Hill Heritage Trust. I had, I had been on the board for seven years before that uh, uh, and th doing this work that's, that is uh, really community-based. is uh, When I was working for the Nature Conservancy, it was statewide, mm -hmm. using incredible places around our great state, protecting them. Uh, at, at the community level, it's different and it's, it's much deeper, and we can talk about that more, but it's really about creating these, these common spaces, these shared spaces that help build a community and, and help sustain it, places where people can see each other, share experience. Uh, th those sorts of opportunities are diminishing, actually, in our communities, I think, as uh, as we separate because of electronics and s the speed of life. And so they're more and more important. And uh, we've been fortunate in our organization to do a lot of uh, great projects. And uh, and uh, I'll talk some more about those later. It strikes me as though each of you are involved in things that our traditional economy doesn't do for us. <laughs> in other words, there are things that we have to do outside of the, the traditional buying and selling economy. I think that's right. Uh, 
one thing that people don't think of much about it, uh, about land conservation is really an economic activity. I mean, it, in, in places like ours, where the economy is fundamentally built on the landscape, I mean, the jobs that are available there derive from the fact that it's a, it's a remarkable place. It has incredible natural resources that people from all over the world want to see, participate, have some of. Uh, and uh, and the people don't come to the Blue Hill Peninsula to shop. <laughs> they come there because it's a remarkable place and it has art and it's fostered these wonderful little communities that are rich in, in various ways. Uh, you know, the arts, the music and uh, interesting people, it, it attracts them. And, and so part of our work really is it's, it's, it's protecting an economic base. Mm. You don't hear that spoken of a lot. It's about protecting scenery and wildlife and uh, recreational opportunities, but really at its heart, this is for the long-term well-being of our community, and it will, it will, I think, deeply, that it will sustain the well-being of those communities over time. Mm. I'm going to be working with the Down East Land, Lakes Land Trust uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, and, and uh, one of the things that one of their um, board members said in a survey was that it, it feels so good to be able to tell our kids and our guests here that we've protected um, you know, this area mm. And it's going to be there forever. One of the joys of my work, of course, is that is that I get to enjoy the places that we project, protect. I mean, it's really rewarding in a in a long term sort of way. Not only my children and friends, but also. So also. tell us about a, um, perhaps a, a recent success in your work, Jim, and then we'll, well kind of work our way around. Okay. Well, <laughs> Uh, tomorrow, we're, we're opening a new trail on a 100-acre piece of land in Brooklyn. Uh, it's the first piece we've owned in Brooklyn. We've done other conservation projects there with conservation easements. But uh, this is a, a wonderful piece of land that a family gave to us because they wanted to share it with their community. And this was how they could do that. Uh, uh, they donated the land to us, and we built this trail that is about a mile and seven-tenths, and we're going to have a ceremonial opening tomorrow. Uh, it was helped built by the Brooklyn Youth Corps and, uh, and a, a team of volunteers, and uh, it's a, it'll be a wonderful place for people who can walk off the road. There's an increasing demand in our area, I think around the state, for places where people can safely walk for health, or just solitude, uh, but uh, safe places to walk are harder to come by because in our communities, at least, there are no recreational departments. No right. one is doing this. Right. And so, and part of the tradition in our our communities and Downey's Maine generally is that little nonprofits do the work that government in other places do. And mm. and so, face it, in, in, in Downey's coastal communities, we don't we don't do government very well <laughs> or very much, and, and the less the better, perhaps some would say. And but the the, the, the these nonprofits do the work of, mm. of in other places that uh, government, and that's that's good. Mm. It's a it, it's it's a reason to value these nonprofits. Yeah, um, Dylan, um, you're not um, kind of versed in saving places yet, but you're 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 launching. Um, this effort. Yeah. Um, tell us about how what you learned about um, people and and their caring about um, the arts through the Stargazer um, Image Festival. Gazer, yeah. yeah. Um, well, when I first developed the idea for Image Gazer, it was Image really, Gazer. So yeah, I'm sorry. It, no worries. Yeah. Uh, when I first developed the idea of Image Gazer, it was really the the first 
thought that I had about, especially when we had all these amazing local theaters in these communities that that were just so beautiful and so um, uh, romantic. Um, one of my first projects was, you know, how could we connect them and align them together and, and kind of create, um, you know, intelligent discussions together uh, through film, through visual art, and, and kind of create spaces where you can have these connections with people um, uh, based on what you just saw, based on, you know, how you feel about a topic that's presented, and just talk about it, you know, providing a safe place to really experience these mm -hmm. kinds of things. Um, and then I take it now to a step forward to, you know, working with a piece of property, a piece of land like Caterpillar Hill, and, you know... It's Let's describe where that is. Not all of our listeners yeah. live locally. And uh, where is Caterpillar Hill? Yeah, Caterpillar Hill, it's in Cedric, Maine. Uh, it overlooks the Camden Hills uh, from, from our vantage point in the ocean. And I have driving directions, really. It's basically the address is 320 Caterpillar Hill Road. On the lad pr at the Ladd property, it's where that uh, picnic turnout uh, overlook is, uh, where those uh, two, three standing mm -hmm. stones are that talk about the landscape. Um, it's basically heading, heading south down to Deer Isle. Uh, that way you can't miss it really. Everyone kind of just stops and looks at it. Mm. Um, and that's one of the things where, you know, I bring it to the land potential where, you know, it's not just, you know, now I'm not just doing film festivals or anything like that. Now I'm just working with actual landscape that has such profound, meaningful implications for people that gaze at it. It's, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Image gazer, you're gazing at a landscape. Uh, and it's really about creating a space to really appropriately, um, I would say, honor that landscape and really kind of draw from that landscape um, a new potential in people mm. to, to really be part of a community and really use that space to really um, uplift people, empower people, uh, you know, connect with people, become a form of some kind mm. where people can really share art, share experiences, share what's going on in the world that affects this peninsula, um, uh, promote people, uh, mm -hmm. promote people that are doing profoundly amazing things. Uh, we want to, you know, use our cultural resources in that way. We don't want to just, you know, um, we want to create an inspiring place, basically. Mm -hmm. It's already inspiring, but it's, what I sense you're doing is is trying. There's a there's a piece of land available. If um, you aren't able to use it, someone yeah. else may use it, and they may not treat it in the same way. Well, I mean, that's what we're talking about. Uh, you know, these lands, this specific landscape I'm talking about, at least on our property, it's at risk. Um, you know, and we're talking about saving beautiful places and you know making them maintaining that amazing presence that this peninsula gives people of beauty and you know and now you know this piece of land that I'm talking about is for sale and it is under threat to being commercially developed and you know the economy's hurting so it is hard to you know to really get you know this underway but we are launching it it's, it's a very exciting time for us and we are really refocusing our efforts to really bringing people to the site Great. um and we'll talk more about we'll that talk more Mary, about it yeah Mary um talk about um perhaps the success um you've had a couple of buildings and now you're you're about to um uh, get very involved in in the town hall in Winter Harbor but um your successes with um Hammond Hall for instance well, our first building that we took the stewardship of was Hammond Hall. And uh, as I said in the introduction, <clears throat> this is a performance space. It's a historic landmark building. The first thing we did when we took over the building was to register it on the National Registry of Historic Places to provide it some safety net for preservation through the ages. And when you have a performance building, as I say, you have to fill it with performance. So it, it brought our, our focus from 
Um, before that, we had been renting the building. We'd done a lot of workshops. So now we we've, we ended up with, I think, the maximum one year. We did over 100 live performances in one year there at Hammond Hall. It was greatly successful. It's an ex exhibit space. We have artist exhibits there every month. Um, there's a maritime exhibit there right now by Dean Katula. Um, and it filled that 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 need for bringing traffic to Main Street and having a centerpiece on Main Street on the Scudic Peninsula. Um, we also were renting other studio spaces for workshops for the Scudic Arts Festival, and one of those spaces that we'd rented for many years was the Doris Combs Studio on Main Street in Prospect Harbor. And Doris gifted that studio to us a couple of years ago. And so that served a different need, a niche, which was studio space that was fully equipped for artists to come, teach their classes. Uh, we use it for the Scudic Arts Festival. Teachers come in, they rent it by the week, the half week, or every Tuesday night from 6 to 9 for a pottery class. And it's, we, uh, through some generous grants and gifts, we've equipped the studio with um, pottery wheels and kilns and spinning wheels and looms. We have a, I just, just got a grant from the Maine Community Foundation to equip it as a, as a metal shop. So we've got metalworking equipment, we've got uh, soldering stations, you can make jewelry. And, um, and I suppose that these artists who are, are using this, it's almost um, what some people call an incubator in some ways um, that, that allows people to get started. They may um, start um, more significant economic activity later on. Well, interesting that you use the word incubator because that's exactly what we're calling our third and newest building, which is the Old Town Office. Um, in Winter Harbor. In Winter Harbor, downtown Winter Harbor. So the, the Old Town Office was actually the old Winter Harbor High School. So there's a great deal of sentiment in the building, to, in the town, to save that building. It's, it's sort of the memories, the collective memories of the older generation of that town because they went to school there as it was the collective memory to uh, save Hammond Hall because they had their weddings there, they had graduation there, they even played basketball, half-court basketball in the auditorium. So, so this, um, this brings up the challenge of the town asking us, the town selectmen and the town reuse committee, asking us to take tenancy of this building because we were such wonderful stewards of Hammond Hall. So, so success breeds success and perhaps challenge. Well said. Uh, of course, all of these buildings are the challenges to have them useful to the community to fill a need while it's in alignment with our mission, which is the arts, and yet pay their own expenses. And so we're developing the Old Town Office, which we're going to be calling the Old Town High School, the Old Winter Harbor High School Incubator. We're going to be using that building for affordable artist studio space, mm -hmm. that space where artists can work they can teach, they can sell with a public access. And it's not, um, they could they could have a longer term lease than just a summer workshop. That's exactly right. right. They'd be leasing that building as, an, as a space for uh, a year, two years, three years. Unlike the Combs Studio, that's really by the week, by the day, by the hour, if you will, 
The comb studio is fully equipped, so they don't have to drag their entire metal shop or kilns and pottery wheels over to the building to teach a short-term class. But the town office is going to be a space that has public access where they would move in, lease the space, and have public access. Great. Well, I want to just remind listeners that we're talking about saving community spaces here on WERU, and we have some guests in the studio who are helping with that. And in a minute, we're going to go by phone to talk with Tom Buterera of the Down East Coastal Conservancy and he'll tell us about a project that he's been involved in. But in the studio with us, you've just heard from Mary Lowry of Scudic Arts for All. Also here are Dylan Howard of the Caterpillar Hill Initiative and Jim Dow of the Blue Hill Heritage Trust. Uh, so uh, welcome, Tom, to uh, Talk of the Towns. Thank you very much. Sorry I couldn't be with you down there today. That's all right. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about um, uh, Down East Coastal Conservancy. I understand that you um, are the, the result of uh, two land trusts coming together. And then I'd like you to tell us um, a little bit about the most recent, uh, very successful, but very challenging project of, of, of buying um, land and, and easements um, in the, the village of Machias. Sure thing. Yep. So Down East, uh, Down East Coastal Conservancy... There were two predecessor organizations that had been founded in the mid to late 80s, and we were involved years ago in some conservation planning. And it was during that process that we we identified, you know, uh, some new conservation opportunities in the region and also started thinking um, on a deeper level about how conservation work can integrate into community work. And, and Great Auk Land Trust, who I work for, and Quadi Regional Land Trust, um, we realized that, like many nonprofits, we had um, some capacity issues that needed to be taken care of. So four years ago, we brought those two groups together uh, to be able to address uh, some of the conservation opportunities that we saw um, and then also kind of take our, our organizational culture and our work to, to a new level of, with some, some greater community engagement and economic development activities. And in that, in that conservation planning process, we, we realized that Machias, which is the county seat, the shire for Washington County, was sort of, there wasn't any conservation or recreational land uh, protected right in the middle of this region. And uh, it was about the same time of the merger that three landowners approached us and said, we've been holding these lands for uh, 20 plus years and uh, we'd like to see something a little bit more dynamic happen on those properties. So uh, we were sort of in triage mode coming out of our merger and, and put it on the back burner for a little bit. But then as we, as we looked at these parcels of land, one piece was the, the St. Regis pasture, which is literally right at the backyard of downtown Machias. Um, the residential area and business area of Machias is separated to, by this piece of property by the Downey Sunrise Trail, which runs uh, 85 miles from uh, near Ellsworth to up toward Callis. Um, this was the old railroad that's been converted into a recreational trail. That's correct, exactly. So we had we had this this piece of land which was sort of historically the backyard playground. Um, it, during the course of of the project, we've been soliciting uh, stories about uh, past use, and and that parcel was at one point used by the St. Regis Company to pasture their horses from. Uh, spring to fall, and then they would take them upriver to Cotton Hall Wood uh, all year round. And so the kids, you know, there there are there are people in the community who've shared some extremely colorful stories about uh, 
playing out in that back pasture uh, <laughs> while growing up. I suppose there was some manure involved. Definitely some manure involved and just kids being kids. Yeah. And uh, the other parcel of land was on is on the Machias River. And uh, as we started exploring that parcel, again, we started seeing these kind of historical pieces, these cultural pieces of the community bubble up. And, um, you know, what's interesting about river projects is that uh, the communities here and sort of even pre-settlement communities had a, a, a real close connection to these rivers and these places. Um, so very early on in this process, we, we realized that we had to be very mindful and respectful of the, of the history of these places. Um, and that led us to form uh, the Two Rivers Community Committee, which um, it bubbled up to about 32 members in the end, and it included ATV and snowmobile clubs, uh, the Chamber of Commerce, local businesses, guides, um, the bank, uh, the university. We also had the schools and the local hospital as members of that committee. And the idea there was, um, you know, realizing that we do things, we do certain things very well as conservation groups, but when you really get into looking at how conservation lands can integrate into community and be used and cherished by a community and, and ultimately stewarded by the community long-term, um, you really need to be mindful of, of bringing in many voices to that process. So that's what we did in this case was to set up this, what became a large uh, working committee uh, to make sure that we were being mindful of, of the history and also being dynamic as we thought about these properties going forward. And where are you now? Uh, in the campaign? You mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we wrapped up the campaign. The, the project uh, to purchase the three parcels of the land and uh, provide for initial access improvements and property management and then sort of long-term stewardship of these parcels, we raised $1.9 million, um, and we've now wrapped that uh, campaign up. We hit the finish line at a community celebration on July 20th. Great. So uh, we now get to move out of fundraising and really into uh, cleaning these properties up, putting in trails, and starting to build uh, health and wellness and outdoor educational programming. Mm. And and um, because I'm going to ask our guests in the studio this in a minute, um, why do you suppose uh, people got excited about this? Why did they donate to the campaign? Why did they spend um, a meeting after meeting um, doing the planning process? Um, what motivated them to, to be involved? I would say on this project, the fact, the fact was that there was something for everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were the guide you were thinking, wow, here's, here's new access on and off of the rivers and places where I can send people and rent boats. If you're the local restaurant, it's great. This is a magnet. We can hold people here longer. They can spend another two or three days here paddling and hiking. Um, from the hospital's point of view, you know, a lot of people think of the hospitals as the place to go when you're sick, but the hospital's mission is really to keep people healthy. So their goal was they came to the table thinking, you know, here, here are resources that we can provide to get people outside um, to build lifelong wellness. Because, you know, in the schools, you know, we emphasize sports, a lot of organized sports teams. But ultimately, you know, a lot of us don't play professional sports as a result of, uh, uh, you know, the path of our life. So, so really looking to build those the life wellness. And, and then, the, you know, the local schools were thinking, you know, here's an opportunity close to our campus to bring our kids outside to learn experiential hands-on uh, uh, learning in the elements. 
And uh, earlier we were talking a little bit about some. A lot of this work is is outside of what government um, is willing or able to do. Um, could this have happened any other way, Tom? Uh, well, you know, the only other way I, I think this is definitely uh, the, the the best way to go about it. Um, I know when we talked to the towns, you know, we we reached out to the towns early on to see, you know, were they interested in taking this on? And as with many rural communities, they said. You know, we think this is a great project, but we don't have the capacity. Mm. Um, you know, the state wouldn't do, the state is very good at setting up, you know, state parks and things, but in terms of the programming piece and sort of the, the more dynamic approach to using the parcels, um, it became very clear that we would be the, the ideal holder of it. But we were very um, clear in the, in the process that, you know, we, we can negotiate land deals, we can raise money, uh, we can bring people together, but ultimately, it was going to take the community to really put the put the vision behind it, put the gas in the tank, and take the car for the drive. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, uh, t- Tom, thanks so much for being with us. Any any words of wisdom for for uh, uh, someone uh, embarking on some of this, like our guest Dylan Howard? Um, what would you say to someone that's that's uh, newly involved in bringing people together? Um, listening is so key. You know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll share one example. Um, you know, land trusts and kind of old guard conservation people tend to have a real aversion to motorized access, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, so ATVs, snowmobiles. And we had some people, you know, within our organization who were thinking, like, you know, there's no way we're not going to, we don't want to allow, <laughs> we don't want to allow motorized access on these properties. That's not what we do, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And they were sort of alarmed by the fact that, you know, we would invite the snowmobile clubs and the ATV clubs in. And and I, I kind of said, you know, we have to trust in this process. We have to trust in people and in the community to make the right decisions for this community. And ultimately, you know, I think what one of the biggest concerns was, you know, is there going to be motorized access down right by down by the river and is it going to ruin the experience? And ultimately it was the, the ATV and snowmobile clubs who came around and said, we don't think that's an appropriate site for motorized access. But, you know, for instance, had we come out and said that early on, um, it would have had a, a totally different response. It would have been a knee-jerk sort of, there's no place for us here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you have to take that time to really to build trust, to build communication, to listen, and to to kind of trust in that process that that um, ultimately the community will make the, the best decisions for to reflect the community needs. Well, Tom, thanks so much for taking time to be with us this morning. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for that. Tom Boutrera of the Down East Coastal Conservancy describing um, their work in in the Machias area. In the studio with us, we have Mary Lowry of Scudic Arts for All, Jim Dow of Blue Hill Heritage Trust, and Dylan Howard of the Caterpillar Hill Initiative. A little later on, we'll open up our phone lines. But uh, um, first, maybe uh, some some thoughts about what what inspires your your constituents to get involved. Um, um, I'll start with Jim, and then Mary, and then I'll ask Dylan for some of those same kinds of things. What what inspires people to get involved in in the trail project or some of the other land conservation work? Well, in our work, and as in Tom's, it's really the land. I mean, mm. it, it starts with there. I mean, land is a powerful thing. Uh, 
it's it's it somehow seems to affect people. I know it affects me and many others, and it's it's different. And uh, it, it it everything we do is and and people's motivation for being a part of our organization or giving land or helping on a trails or stewardship is about some almost visceral, I guess, connection with the place, and particularly in our particular neck of the woods. People have a lot of passion for the, that place and uh, and it, it's many elements and one of the joys of of having uh, having protected a series of pieces of land throughout the land escape now there's about 6500 acres of protected land mm-hmm. uh, uh, is the opportunity to create trails so people can get to know their place again I mean it's very uh, interesting and uh, and and uh, fulfilling uh, to hear some of the people who've lived there all their lives saying, well, I haven't been there for so long. It's great to have a chance to walk up the mountain in a different way, to see Blue Hill, see the perspectives that uh, I maybe saw as a boy. So it's it's really, as I said earlier, it's really about connecting people with their place, uh, having these common lands, these common grounds, these shared spaces where people can know their place and, and feel feel connected mm. to it. And mm. it is what motivates them to do more. To, mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, well, Mary, in your case uh, with uh, Hamantal, for instance, um, um, people use that building, as you say, 100 performances in a year. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hub of, of the community. And I understand when you, you pointed out that the leaf with Le- the roof was leaking, um, people said, yeah, I guess we better p- take care of that. Well, you know, it's one thing to say the roof is leaking, but it's another thing to be in the building and experience all of us working together, rushing around, covering the electronics with garbage bags and um, seeing that there's a tarp in the attic that channels the water into a tub and away from the Steinway Grand Piano. So we had been working for about three years to, to find enough money to replace the roof and the, and the sheathing of the roof. It's an expensive, large, high roof. But the Chamber of Commerce happened to be having a business after hours one night in the torrential rain, and um, they got so fired up about the water rivulet that was running down the balcony steps that they said, we're going to take the reins and we're going to close the gap in funding and finish off this campaign to get the roof. And um, I just have to send out a special thanks and name a name to Bob Hammond, who really took the, the point on that and solicited 350 items and had a great big auction. And I think I, you know, bought all kinds of stuff. And anyway, the, the community really became involved when they saw a need. Mm-hmm. And and um, so are there any other motivations that, that you can speak of other than seeing and using the the uh, um, the building and seeing it's in danger? Um, what's going to motivate people? Do you suppose um, in terms of the uh, the old high school? Well, it's uh, you know when you when you think of filling a need, I think that the need aspect is critical. Uh, the need existed in the town for these buildings for preservation. It also existed as economic growth and maybe magnetism for bringing people to the downtown. And uh, there are many, uh, when there, where there's a need, there are many avenues that can fill it according to our different various missions. And of course, our mission being the arts. Um, we, we wanted to succeed in not only saving an old building, but really to breathe new life into the downtown area. Um, so, you know, what, what economic benefit is there to an empty building? There isn't any. So now the town office is set up for this public access, general use space. 
we don't want to compete with anyone else that's got a business there. We don't want to compete with galleries. We don't want to compete with anybody else in town. But we have this different niche, and that's the niche of the working artist or other creative people um, that has an affordable downtown presence. Mm. So th- it strikes me is that that your um, your saving special places is nested within a belief of we're going to save this downtown. Well, we're going to save this downtown, and we're going to cultivate the the community as a creative economy community. And I think that many of these outlying rural places, the creative economy, although it's quiet, is a very powerful component in the in the economy of the region. A lot of people are, have cottage industries. They have um, a little shop in the back where they do woodwork or art or photography or pottery, and and that's really a base of economy in Down East Maine. Dylan, um, as you've begun to get involved in the Caterpillar Hill Initiative, um, you know what has been the reaction? You've been talking with lots of different people. What's yeah. been some of the reactions? Um, you know, as far as leadership goes for the initiative, you know, I've, I've taken the presidency of it, and and really the leadership really turns over to the view itself. It's the this, the the sense of place that it is. I mean, it's known all over the world. People have marveled at it since people have been visiting Maine in this location. So it's not easy. I mean, it's it's um, it's not hard to sell the idea <laughs> of, you know, let's do something profound on Caterpillar Hill here. I mean, it, it really kind of, um, it really wants, it seems to want it to happen. It's just such a, an awesome, it's an awe-inspiring place that anything we do there would just be expanded beyond, you know, the normality of. So one of the things that, that creates that particular view is traditional land use, um, and it's not forested land. If that was forested land, and Jim, you've, you've helped with another part of that, um, we wouldn't see the view anyway. We've got blueberry land there that yeah. that's part of the tradition. Mm. Yes, uh, I mean, the Bull Hill Heritage Trust owns 146 acres that that is most of the viewscape to the south and the west right next to the piece that uh, the Dillon's working on and uh, it's highly used uh, we actually uh, keep the field uh, burned every few years so that there will be berry production there but but for people to come and harvest the berries because part of the tradition is that uh, Caterpillar has this great view, but it also there are berries and uh, and people enjoy the chance because there are very few places you can just go, step off the road and, and pick berries. And, uh, and it, it requires us to burn them. It's a big process. We actually have the benefit of the help of the state forest ranger and the local town fire department to, to burn these fields because it's a big production. It causes mm. fire is a risk and all those things. But, but it's, it's a pure, and we have a, a series of trails uh, down through the woods and now the town of Cedric has a has a boat landing that's yeah. that's very nearby as well. So the piece that Dylan's working on is a it sits up high and it's the it's a, it's where the buildings are and uh, it could be a really compatible use to to all this conservation land right nearby. So Dylan, um, you've you've got this inspiration in in the land. Yeah. Um, what are you what are you hoping to do right now? There's a there's an artist. Um, uh, using um, the facility, there's a gallery on top of the hill, there. and there's some some uh, disused buildings. Yeah. What's your what's your plan? What's your hope? So, uh, 
I, you know, that question was going to be brought up, and <laughs> my team has a bit of a statement to read okay. on that behalf. <laughs> um, I just wanted to make it really clear because we have been getting a lot of questions about what we're doing here. So um, this has really uh, been given to us by our, our uh, his name is Edward Volkheim from the Harvard School. He's working very much on associate level with branding us, and uh, he really gets the project and loves working with us. So I'm just going to read basically what our mission is. And, you know, CHI... CHI is transforming its Caterpillar Hill location to become an inspirational site for residents of the Blue Hill Peninsula and visitors to Maine. And he later states that he believes it will be it will gain international recognition over time because it's already well known all over. And what we want to do with that is we want to share that potential of international recognition with our community. Um, and the location, its amphitheater that we're about to build. Uh, which we'll go into later, uh, and its programs will work together to produce awe in the hearts of its visitors, and the memorable experiences will inspire them towards positive actions in their lives. So that's pretty much, we just want to use that potential of that beautiful space where everyone comes and just is so in glory to it. So if we were if you know, we were to, to kind of jump ahead yeah. three years, five years from yeah. today, what would, and you were able to be successful, yeah. what would we see or experience at the top of Caterpillar Hill? Basically what you get is it's an arts and education center based mm-hmm. on conservation, uh, eco-psychology, um, artist workshops, outdoor films, lecture series, uh, community events, weddings possibly, um, any sort of art uh, type field and education as far as, you know, preserving beautiful places such as these for people to go out and, and do the th- same things in their own communities. We want to be somewhat, you know, we want to connect with Mary Laurie, for instance. We want to be a hub in Sedgwick and in this peninsula as well. We want to we make bridges with other organizations that share the same kind of passion as we do, but we just don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want to bring people that already know what they're doing to our place so, and um, bring so it to people. The, the first step in that process yeah. would be um, to uh, cr- construct an amphitheater. Describe yeah. that, if you would. So so basically what we've done uh, over this past year is really consolidate our idea into really bringing it down to a working model that people can really put their feet on, uh, literally. Um, and so this amphitheater came into our design very early stages five years ago where, you know, how are we going to, what's the best let, what's the best use of this land? We have a master concept plan in place and what we decided to do was put an amphitheater on that design because, you know, what it, it would be a beautiful place for performances, we thought, originally. And, you know, now looking at this level where we are now, it's the most least cost, it's the most less cost to build that one part of the master concept plan now. You know, it's about 17000 thanks to a lot of volunteer help and the donations of uh, the architect, Nielsen Van Dyne, working intensively with me. Uh, basically, it's, you know, we're building the heart of the organization first. That's how we feel it. And, you know, from that heart, which we symbolically call the amphitheater, the Avalone Amphitheater, uh, which that name comes from the actual landscape, uh, from the history books uh, of what that, you know, that ancient land was called by other people. We decided to honor that name by calling the Avalone Amphitheater. So from that center, we want to build out the rest of the body in the future over the over two or three years. We want to use that heart and, and build a community around the project, Okay, so basically, um, by and donations and by... Amphitheater you know, first, then to, to tear down the... Um, the the buildings that aren't being used? Basically, so so what would happen was would be, you know, we build the amphitheater, people would actually be part of a fundraising effort of the amphitheater. We're going to have a, a beautiful art installation mosaic design of a, of a mandala where people actually purchase tiles that go on top of this foundation of the amphitheater that it's 50 feet in diameter. 
and overlooks this view. And so from there, you raise the money to purchase the property first okay. and get that back into the local people and get it off the market, preserve it. And then what we would do is we'd clean up the view. Uh, we would tear down the derelict metal building that's, that's right next to us. We would preserve the gallery building and the ice house, and we would turn the ice house into ice house museum because it was actually the largest ice cutting factory in the state of Maine. We want to preserve that history Great. with the Walker Pond. And then from there, we basically initiate operations. We want to work with homeschools. We want to work with GSA, all these other schools. We want to bring a lot of the youth together. So it sounds like so. like with uh, Tom Boutourera, um bringing lots of people into the conversation. Let, yeah. Let's open up our phone lines and see what um, our uh, listeners might be thinking about, or um, perhaps they have their own experience with saving special places, or perhaps they've got some questions for our guests. Give us a call at one 866 625-9378 or locally 469-0500. That's 1-866-625-9378 if you'd like to ta- take part in this conversation about saving special uh, places. So the the, uh, the the conversation is you save the place and then you've got some ongoing costs that you might consider. <laughs> and even in your trails, um, Jim, you've got to think about the longer term stewardship of, of these kinds of projects. Humans do have an impact, and, uh, you know, there's a cost for everything. And, and certainly uh, trails are no exception. Uh, Bull Hill Mountain, for example, the, the Bull Hill Heritage Trust owns uh, a lot of the mountain, the summit, and, uh, and we just opened a new two-mile trail from the Turkey Farm Road, a different way up the backside. Uh, that mountain probably gets tens of thousands of hikes a year, every day of the year. Literally, and uh, people use it for recreation, for 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 just to see the sights. Obviously, this time of year, but uh, it's it's highly used, and and it requires maintenance every year. It's it's something people don't often think about. It's just a trail, after all. But uh, particularly, uh, we've had to harden up the trails. We've built a 400-foot section of s- stairs to that restored a deeply eroded place over the years. Uh, it's a it's a it's an ongoing ongoing effort, and it's a great opportunity for volunteers. It's one way that people seem to like to do trail work. <laughs> right, right. Well, let's uh, take a phone call. Uh, if you'd go ahead and list um, where you're calling from and your, your first name and where you're calling from, and then go ahead with your question or comment, please. Uh, yeah, this is Bill uh, from Vinyl Haven. Welcome, Bill. Thank you. I uh, just wanted to uh, find your program uh, very interesting, this one particularly so. Uh Vinyl Haven has, over the last uh, eight or nine years, restored two old town buildings um, with no grant money, um, or virtually no grant money, and um, uh, a lot of donations from uh, uh, our summer residents as well as year-round residents, and some help from the town. Mm. What, what inspired people to, to get involved, Bill? Uh, well, the first building was an a, a 1897 school that um, had been used for a number of things. Most re- recently, <clears throat> the Vinyl Haven Press was there for a number of years, Fine Arts Press. But then the town, it was vacant, and um, uh, one of our uh, residents had the idea of, of making that the town office. And so it's become this magnificent building with a uh, town office, selectmen's meetings, uh, a meeting room, and uh, uh, 
and two big rooms upstairs. So there's a real, um, as, as Dylan was talking about, there's a heart of this, this community in this building. Oh, yeah, because there were two school identically uh, designed and built uh, schools, um, one on the east side of town and one on the west side of town. The one on the west side uh, burned uh, a number of years ago, and... Uh, uh, but this building it was uh, pretty much saved, and I mean it was uh, not in terrible condition, um, and so it was a relatively easy uh, renovation. And how about the second building that you've taken part in in preserving? The second building was uh, just done this uh, a year, started a year ago, and uh, was uh, one of the original fire halls on the on the island, and it's right on. Main Street next to the town parking lot, and uh, very visible. Um, and so it was uh, saved. We put a new roof on it, uh, did a lot of re-clapboarding on the outside, uh, some sill work. And now um, on the first floor is the repository of um, a, a very early um, Silsby steam-powered uh, uh, pumper, uh, horse-drawn, and um, a, a human-pulled ladder wagon and a hose cart. Uh, that's wonderful. I suppose you're not going to be taking part in the big um, celebration in Ellsworth tomorrow with those vehicles. Um, it's a little hard to get those on and off the island. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm not involved with the fire department. <laughs> okay. Um, well, thank, it, thanks so much for calling, Bill. Okay. Great, great, great example of, of community and people uh, saving places. And again, all of you have talked about using those local skills um, to, to make things work. Um, these are skills that are still inherent in, in the community, um, whether it's making trails or, or um, restoring buildings or, or uh, donating to, to uh, good causes. Uh, 1-866-625-9378 if you'd like to continue uh, with this conversation on saving community spaces. Um, do, you, do you think that um, the long term, Mary, in, in terms of um, people have stepped up for um, Hammond Hall, what do you sense the, 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 the hopes and the challenges are for the, the entrepreneurial space that you're talking about now? Well, I think it's interesting that there's there really is so much community interest in Hammond Hall and in the community spaces at the the town office building. Um, we've had we've had there's somebody in there with a print press right now before we even really finish cleaning the place up. So we've got this big speaking of volunteers, we've got a big cleanup day scheduled for the 27th and an open house on the 28th and 29th where there's going to be printmaking demonstrations. We're going to have a show up historic photographs of Winter Harbor. And I think that's all part of just creating a traffic flow and the sort of, um, you know, if you have it set up and ready, then then things happen. Things fall into place. The universe aligns itself, if you will, certain things like Hammond Hall. Um, as we progressed from uh, trying to get the building restored a little bit, we found that there were performers that wanted to come that needed certain equipment. I'll, I'll never forget, Paul Sullivan had said he'd do a concert with us, and all we had for an instrument was an old beat-up upright piano cobbled together from two condemned pianos. <laughs> so, well, I thought if, we, if we're going to attract musicians like this, we better get a new instrument. And I sent out five emails into the community and 
Five days later, there was a Steinway Grand on the stage. Now that we have the piano, we're attracting these other kinds of musicians. Tonight, we've got a gorgeous concert that's a classical concert with Deidre and Cardinal Manning that's going to have piano, flute, viola with Anatole Vick. We're going to bring a harpsichord in. Um, there's going to be uh, marimba and vibes, and they're going to record the concert live. So I hate to use a cliche, but I don't know another better way to say this. If you build it, Dylan, they will come. <laughs> we have another that. phone. We have another phone call. Um, let's go ahead and, and learn um, our caller's uh, first name and where they're calling from, and then their question or comment. Go ahead, please. Hi, uh, my name is Tony Kamen, and hello, Jim. Hi, Tony. I have a question that's a little bit off the subject of buildings, but it goes directly to landscape, and that, of course, is my passion. Yes. Trees. Ah. Um, the Blue Hill Heritage Trust asked me to give a presentation on invasive tree pests that are coming our way, and I was wondering if your guests would engage in a discussion about what the landscape might look like without the trees that we love so much, uh, and if there is some interest in getting people involved in uh, awareness programs and prevention and planning around what's going to happen to the trees, especially the hemlocks and the um, hardwoods and the, the, um, the uh, uh, ash trees. Brown ash especially, yes. Yeah, yes. when these tree pests, not if, but when these tree pests start in, invading. Mm. Um, and if there are any plans to... Um, to to begin looking at that subject. Well, My suggestion uh, yeah. around getting people involved is that the first thing that needs to be done is to know what we might lose, which involves a tree survey, knowing what you have on your property. And um, one way to do that, of course, is to get volunteers involved in doing surveys on particular properties um, might even start right in the town, like in the town of Blue Hill or in the town of um, Winter Harbor, to know what you got to recognize what you might be losing and the cost uh, involved with that. That's a uh, great, and we may come back to you, Tony, so get in touch if you could um, through uh, Cooperative Extension in Ellsworth, um, and uh, maybe we, we'd feature a whole show on this. But let's get some reaction from our guests. Thanks so much for, for your call this morning. You're welcome. Um, Jim, maybe start with you as a, as a logical person and a land trust person. Um, trees are important. They're important, and uh, and things are changing. There's no question about it. Uh, we're seeing different insects, different different diseases, different things are happening in our place, and it's great that there are people like Tony around who are thinking, helping all of us think a little bit ahead of the game, and maybe not ahead anymore, but at least thinking about the things that, that could be happening. So... Uh, Tony, keep at it. <laughs> great, great. Um, we've got another phone call. Let's go ahead and take that and uh, um, see what their interests are. Uh, give us your first name, if you would, and then where you're calling from. Uh, David from Sedgwick. Yes, I David. I just wanted to remind people, as we were talking about the list of events in Hammond Hall, that tomorrow night there's a contra dance, as there is every month, um, and it starts at 730, and it goes to when people leave. So. Great. I think it's one of the longer-running contra dances in the state of Maine right now. It and is another... indeed with the Sheep Island Rovers. That's right. <laughs> David, thanks so much for your call. Oh, and, it, and it just uh, underlines the fact that if these places are used and useful, 
uh, people are going to care for them. Dylan, you've got a concert coming up um, tomorrow night. Uh, tell yes. us about that. Um, well, Nil Stuckey uh, has dedicated an hour or so of his time to do a benefit concert for our whole uh, ongoing building project of you know creating this amphitheater stage and creating that connection forum for people. And uh, he's going to be performing at 5 o'clock tomorrow night uh, from 5 to sunset. We're celebrating and ending with a sunset off Caterpillar Hill. And he's doing it to basically fundraise and help fundraise this land acquisition to to uh, really restoring this beautiful place and getting people kind of excited about having a new venue to do music and a lot of other artistic things that are coming up in the next year or so. So is this open to the public? It's totally open to the public. Um, all are welcome. There's a $15 suggested donation, and along with that $15, you actually get a small tile that is a $15 price. So you're actually, you're actually buying Great. into the project solid. And you've got parking um, um, solutions, um, if you would. Yeah, yeah. Shuttle. Yeah, we, we have a shuttle. We have some shuttles going back to, like, the Egemont Country Store. Uh, you can park in there. We'll have, like, vans that can drive people uh, to our site if, you know, parking becomes an issue, which I'm pretty sure it will get it will get pretty busy with right. Noel. He draws a crowd. Uh, we have, uh, in our past, we've been able to park about, you know, 20, 25 cars for our open houses at the gallery alone. And then we also have access at the, um, the turnoff uh, to, um, what is that called? The overlook turnoff. Okay. So, uh, we'll see how it goes. We have other people that have given us some space to park. So it's been a, it's been a community it's Great. a big community thing. Great. And Jim? <laughs> well, one of the interesting things about that site, yeah, Caterpillar Hill, is that, that we learned when we were acquiring the property in 2001, those fields, was that how much people value that as a place to look at the sunset. Yes. People, I mean, people from Brooklyn who would drive over there to just watch the sunset and many other places. And, and the other thing we learned was how much the people of Deer Isle value that place. They were one of the major contributors to making it happen because it's their gateway to their island. Mm. And uh, very interesting. So that, that place has, uh, has a lot of deep community feeling about yeah. it. Yes, yes. So as we begin to wrap up, um, I'd like to ask you to, if you could look ahead and, and, and see some of the trends that, that you're seeing in terms of this notion of, of saving places. Um, some of you have been at it for a long time, some of you less. What are some of the trends that you're seeing? What, what will be the issues that we might be thinking about five years from now? Um, Mary, what, what are some of the trends that you see? Well, it seems like um, that, that one of the really hopeful things that that can be seen is that there is, uh, I think, a new and growing awareness of the importance of saving places, whether it's land or buildings or memories or ideals. Uh, I think that the fact that there's a lot of energy behind it now is going to propel this in the right direction. Mm. Dylan, what, what have you taken from this conversation um, that thinks about trends and how might you take advantage of those to be successful? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, sort of our organization kind of leads by a bit of urgency of our current project because we do want to secure this property. So it's kind of like we see trends as, you know, scenic places that we're you know, looking to preserve are being threatened all over the place in Maine. And and we want to be an example of how we can, you know, preserve our cultural historic resources such as Caterpillar Hill to be an example of what other people can do in their own communities to save their own lands. And right. and, and that whole notion of, you know, everything's, the economy's kind of rough and people are buying up these spaces and turning them into something that is not natural. Um, so it's about really getting more awareness about, you know, right. preserving your spaces. And Jim, what's some of the 
trends that you might see and take advantage of in the future? <laughs> well, uh, maybe I'll speak the, to the challenge first is the stewardship challenge of, yes. of, of owning land, owning buildings, the long term, and we're in the perpetual business, if you right. will, and uh, that's a challenge. I think the one of the trends I'm, I'm encouraged by is that young people, I, although it's hard to get them involved because it's a busy world we live in these days, there are more and more young people interested in thinking about this as opposed to going to Wall Street. They're coming mm -hmm. to farming communities and wanting to do something different. And, and having people like Tom Buderera, who's a smart, able, young guy doing great work, uh, that's good. Great. So thank you all for being with us this morning. That's great. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronach on a Balmain House Highland Music recording. Thanks again so much to our guests, um, Tom Buderera from Down East Coastal Conservancy, who joined us by phone, uh, Dylan Howard of the Caterpillar Hill Initiative um, um, in Sedgwick, Mary Lowry of Scudic Arts for All um, in, in uh, the Goolsboro area, uh, Winter Harbor, Goolsboro area, and Jim Dow of Blue Hill Heritage Trust. Thanks to those of you who listened and called in with your questions and experience. Thanks to our underwriters, Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Support for WERU comes.